few months ago, I was introduced to the idea of balancing out your want-tos with your need-tos. And in today's episode, I want to share this concept with you because I think it's very powerful. Hopefully, it can finally put a stop on the toxic idea of hustle culture and never-ending grind. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Monthly Method Podcast. This is a show for solopreneurs, creators, and artists who have a burning desire to launch a project. This is for a project that is not urgent, but truly important. The one your best life depends on. Your host, Paulina B., is a certified scrum master. She brings a proven record of launching successful projects, both professional and personal. You will hear about tested techniques that lead to calm, consistency, and results. Stay tuned to turn your idea into reality one month at a time. Here's the thing. Generally speaking, you can divide all your daily tasks into two categories. Need to do and want to do. Here are some examples. You probably need to go to work, finish that report, call a plumber, file taxes. Those are the things that you need to do. And the second category is want to do. So you might want to stay home and read a book, go explore a new neighborhood in your city, try out that new restaurant, watch a movie, go shopping, browse social media, play with your dogs, watch your favorite show, go out with your friends. You get the idea. And here's what you need to understand. Your need to's give you resources to do your want-tos. Your want-tos give you the energy to do your need-tos. Again, when you engage in your need-to activities, you generate resources of different type to help you engage in the activities that you want to do. In return, the activities that you want to do When you do them, you recharge your energy resources and you get the energy that you need to have in order to do the activities that you need to do. So it's a beautiful cycle. Think of it as yin and yang, the never-ending cycle of creating energy and using it up, creating, using it up. One is not possible without the other. So here's a very simple example. You go to work to make enough money so that you can buy a book you want to read or go to the restaurant you want to go. You spend money on new experiences and maybe things that rejuvenate your spirit so that you have enough energy and enthusiasm to go to work. And it doesn't only work with money. It's just a very oversimplified example to illustrate the principle. You can do the same with money. You can do the same with time. Sometimes you do your need-to activities in order to free up time later on so that you can invest the time in the activities you want to do. Remember the last few days before you go on vacation? how productive you are and how busy you are, just getting all the things that need to be done, you get them done, then you have two weeks of vacation, you can go and enjoy yourself. 
So not only works with money, works with time and other resources as well. So what are some of the main criteria differentiating your need to from one to activities? Generally speaking, there are three things that make an activity a need to activity. And they are strict deadline, specific outcome, and or accountability to other people. If a task has a deadline, specific outcome, or an accountability to another person, it is, generally speaking, a need to. If a task doesn't have a deadline or an accountability to another person and you truly enjoy it, it is a want to. And this is important here because sometimes we might think that we are engaging in the want to activities. In reality, it's more of a need to activity. So there is no wonder that we might feel exhausted, depleted after engaging in this activity. And here are some of those potentially confusing activities. Let's look at the first example. Let's say you have arranged to meet with your friend at 2 p.m. So here we have an external accountability to another person and a deadline. So 2 p.m., meet your friend. This has two of the three criteria for a need to activity. I'm not saying that you have to hate all your need to activities. You might still enjoy, you know, meeting with your friend at 2 p.m. and all of that, but you shouldn't count it as a one-to activity. And I'll talk more about it in a second. Let's compare this with another example. Let's say you decided to spend your Saturday exploring a new neighborhood in the city and there is no arrangement to meet with another person and there is no deadline. You can spend one hour exploring or you can spend four hours exploring. So there is no time limit, there is no deadline, there is no specific outcome that you want to achieve. So therefore, it's a very open-ended activity. You can start whenever you want, you can stop whenever you want. So this activities given the fact that you enjoy them, are the examples of your one-two activities. Another way to look at this is to compare it with breathing. Your need-tos are your inhales. When you inhale, you're kind of focused, there's some tension, it's very energizing, it's very like I'm ready to take on the world kind of activity. And when you exhale, It's very relaxing. It's letting go. It's letting go of concentration, focus, productivity, all of that. And as you probably know, when you breathe, it's inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. And you can't really be inhaling all day long or exhaling. It's a very rhythmic thing. Ideally speaking, the same should be applied to your daily life in terms of your want-tos and your need-tos. So if we compare it to breathing, we quickly realize that we can't just do a bunch of need-tos so that in 10 years from now, all you can do is all your want-tos activity. And that's the idea of the hustle culture and all of that, you know, kind of grind message, the white knuckling, the no pain, no gain, all of that. 
so it's kind of like hustle right now for 10 years and then later on all you can do is just buy a nice house somewhere nice and just you know spend your time in the pool so it's kind of yeah like keep inhaling for 10 years and then you'll exhale for the other 20 years it doesn't work like that you will just run out of energy if you keep inhaling you will have to exhale at some point here's what happens when you do too many need to's throughout your day completely ignoring your want to's when all hours of the day are scheduled for all the stuff you need to do you end up being burned out or depressed Burnout happens because you run out of your energy resource. And energy resource is replenished by engaging in your want-to activities. So again, when you do the things that you need to do, you're using up the energy. And when you do things that you want to do, you replenish your energy. And you need to be doing both. And depression often happens when you don't do the things that you truly like for so long that you kind of forget what these things are. If you ever talk to a person who is suffering from depression, what you hear most often is they say, I don't know what I want anymore. I really don't know. It's not that they don't want to be happy. It's that they're trying, but they can't find anything within them that would spark that interest. If you ask them, do you know what you need to do? Oh yeah, they will give you a list of things that they think they need to do. But when you ask them what they want to do, you get nothing in return. This is what happens if you do too many need-to activities, ignoring your want-to activities. Now let's look at reverse. What happens when you do a lot of the want-to activities, completely ignoring your need-to activities? And that's where anxiety creeps up. It is very common among university students to procrastinate on their homework through partying and social media browsing and video games and all of that. Students who procrastinate the most end up being the most anxious. And the more they procrastinate, the more anxious they become. And it's fairly so. It's kind of, you know, our brain is trying to tell us something. Because when you don't do your so-called responsibilities or so-called need-to activities, you start having fears of what would happen if you continue behaving this way. What if I fail this course? What if I get kicked out of school? What if my parents who are paying for this degree find out that I haven't been doing my homework, I haven't been studying for my exam? So all those questions about the future, about the potential gloomy, terrible future, they start popping up and it's fairly so because you keep ignoring your need to activities. But guess what? People who do their homework on time don't usually suffer from that type of anxiety. Again, generally speaking, of course, there are some examples, but if you do everything on time and you are confident that you're showing up for your responsibilities, for your homework, why would you 
be afraid of failing the course, right? It doesn't make any sense. So what happens when you avoid your need to activities? Anxiety happens. And as you can see, the healthy thing to do is to have the balance between the two. And again, if we continue with the breath analogy, we all need to find a rhythm that works for us. Maybe it's inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. Maybe it's inhale, inhale, longer exhale. So there are different things you can do, but you need to have both in the balance on a daily or the bare minimum weekly basis. So daily is ideal so that things balance out throughout the day, but I know it's not always possible with people doing shift work and different life situations. So at least balance it out on a weekly basis. So let's look at the inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale rhythm. This is an approach I prefer to follow on a normal workday. And I talked more about it in time block and Q&A in the previous episode. So how it works for me is I try to beat the clock and get my tasks, my need tos done faster so that I can spend 5-10 minutes in between time blocks on the tasks I like, my want-tos. Plus, I have an hour lunch break every day and I take my lunch break seriously. I don't eat in front of my computer, so it's very, very important. It's a conscious choice that I've made. Yes, sometimes it's easier to keep working, but knowing this principle of want to and need to, I have to make sure that I take this break. And then on top of that, I do my best to free up my evenings from work. And I talked more about it in a guest post I wrote called bringing 9 to 5 back and you can find the link in the show notes. So basically, I try to stick to the 9 to 5 schedule as much as possible. Right now, I'm in a busier season of my life, so I actually work, let's say, from 7 to 5. But anyway, I have a very hard stop to my workday. It's usually 5 o'clock and that's when I know that my need-tos are done and then I can spend my evenings more or less engaged in my want-to activity. Also, at least one of my weekends is dedicated mostly to my want-to activities. So why am I doing that? Because I see that when I do this healthy rhythm of inhaling, exhaling, I'm happier, I like my life more, I have more energy, I get more things done. It's very counterintuitive at first. It's like, are you saying that the more fun I have, the more productive I'll be? Yeah, that's the secret. If you do it right, if you kind of balance out your days, that's what you get. And actually, last week, I had a sprint review call with one of my clients. That's when we analyzed the sprint and figure out what activities worked and what activities didn't work for each client. And what he mentioned is that he was amazed to see how he was most productive when he took longer breaks after each of his work sessions. He just did this experiment he would take a longer break in between those work sessions. And when he had told me what he was doing during his breaks, it totally made sense to me why he had the most productive days during those days. 
During his breaks, he was engaging in the activities from his want-to categories. It was a perfect inhale-exhale rhythm that he was doing. Inhale for 90 minutes by doing what he needed to do for his business, then go and exhale by doing the activities he wanted to do. Not checking emails, not jumping on another business call. No, no. Going for a walk, going to the beach, going to a nice restaurant to have lunch or something like that. And then after this longer break, he comes back and inhale again. It's time to focus and work again. Then exhale, then inhale. And by keeping this perfect rhythm, he always had enough energy to spend on his business activities. And therefore, he had the most productive days when he followed this rhythm. And there is no better way to say it than just to quote this client. He said, there is time to be aggressive and there is time to step back. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. It's time to inhale. It's time to exhale. But what happens in a lot of the office work environment is that they kind of think that they're taking a break, that they're exhaling for 30 minutes. But what they're doing is they're actually checking emails. They're, I don't know, talking to a co-worker about some work stuff or they go and do household chores. It's still a continuation of the need-to activities. So it's not actually a break unless you engage in your want-to activities. Unless you go and do something that you really like, something that really gives you excitement, fun, relaxation, something that is not connected to your need-to activities, something that doesn't have a deadline, that doesn't have a certain outcome, that doesn't have external accountability to another person. You need to fill up your energy tanks when they get depleted. You can't run on empty. And the best way to fill up your energy tanks is to engage in the activities from your one-to category. So again, I gave you an example of a like perfect inhale-exhale schedule. But again, not always possible. So what a lot of people default to is lots of inhales during the day and major exhale in the evenings or on the weekends. And if I had a sound editor right now, I would ask this person to put the danger alarm in this episode because, okay, theoretically speaking, it's possible, but practically speaking, it's very, very dangerous. I haven't seen a lot of examples of when people can do it in a healthy way. So if you inhale a lot throughout the day without a single break, and then you kind of tell yourself, well, I'll just relax in the evenings and on the weekends, this might potentially lead to a lot of harmful behavior. And this used to be me before learning this concept, so I can definitely relate and I can tell you that it's a very difficult thing to master and I would not recommend it. It's a very dangerous thing. Don't try it at home. How it works is that you do a bunch of things you need to do during your workday. You show up for your work task, you stick to your 1200 calorie diet, you eat lunch at your desk between answering emails and Zoom meetings, 
you get your insane workout in, you meet with people you don't like for a drink after work because you were told that networking is the number one thing you can do for your career. And on top of that, you probably woke up at 5 a.m. because that's what all the books say about successful people. So from 5 a.m. till like 6 p.m., it was all about doing the things that you need to do. And then what? You come home exhausted, you turn on your favorite Netflix show, you open that bag of potato chips, you pour that wine or beer, and you finally exhale. And this is the only relaxing activity you can summit yourself to doing after such a long day. Even a relaxing walk outside seems like too much work at this point. Netflix, junk food, alcohol, social media, and recreational drugs seem like a new norm for people who embrace the hustle culture, the no pain, no gain, and the white knuckling approach to getting things done. And this was me, you know, maybe not all the things that they've mentioned, but the pattern was quite similar. And this is what I see in a lot of people who are trying to optimize the hack out of their life and be the most productive, uh, you know, all of that. And when I learned about the need to versus want to balance, it totally made sense. You can quickly find the reason why this toxic cycle is happening. There is too much inhaling throughout the day and not enough exhaling. So a lot of need to activities and not a single want to activity. No wonder your psyche is trying to compensate for that insane psychological hunger at night. It tries to do it as quickly as possible. It is an emergency state. It's been inhaling all day long. It desperately needs to exhale and it finds the fastest way to do it. And the fastest way to do it is, you know, just lay down and don't move. And the best way to achieve that result is Netflix, junk food, alcohol, social media, or recreational drugs. So it's like pick your poison. And this is where late night binging comes into play. Talk to any specialist working with late night binge eaters, and they will all tell you that binge eaters don't have enough restful and enjoyable moments to themselves throughout the day. And it can happen to anyone. It can be a mom with small children. It can be a high power executive. The job title is irrelevant here. What is common between late night binge eaters is that their days are extremely skewed towards the need to category without having a single moment of want to activities. And the first thing you might want to start doing to address your late night binge eating is carving out several me time moments throughout the day where you can exhale and do the things that you want to do. Even if it's 10 to 15 minutes, it makes a difference. And if you exhale throughout the day, you're not in the emergency state and you can actually pick the activities that are not food related. Maybe at lunchtime, you're not exhausted as much. So you might think that 
going for a walk is a nice me too activity. Maybe listening to your favorite podcast episode, maybe to your favorite music, maybe going to your favorite bookstore and just spending 20 minutes browsing the bookshelves. And in those cases, because you're not in the emergency state, you can pick a much healthier alternatives to get in this enjoyment. Because otherwise, if you deprive yourself of little moments throughout the day, then you get to the emergency state. And then the only thing, the fastest thing that can give you comfort and fun and all of that is food. And this is the only thing. Not the walks, not the bookstores. Nothing acts as an emergency solution in this case other than food. This was the second rhythm people do but again it's very dangerous i don't recommend it where you inhale throughout the day and then you exhale in the evenings and on the weekends in theory it is possible you but you have to be i think at the master level of enlightenment in order to get it done properly so a better way to do these things is to have deep versus shallow work days so this is something one of my clients does. He has deep focus work days on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And Mondays and Fridays are for wrapping things up, admin work, and other less difficult business activities. So Mondays and Fridays for this client are the days when he does admin work, some other stuff, and he might, you know, take it easier and actually maybe finish his day earlier or go for a longer lunch break. Plus, he has his weekends that he spends on his one-twos and all of that. So it is possible to have some of the days be longer, be more filled with your need-to activities. But again, you have to balance it out throughout the week with more relaxed days. The main idea here is find your rhythm. And it might be different from mine, but make sure it's a rhythm. It's inhale, exhale. It should be repeatable. It's a cycle. Rhythm is a combination of sound and silence. Make sure that your rhythm has a beautiful combination of both of your need to and want to activities. Otherwise, you might end up in burnout or anxiety. And do you want that? I don't think so. You need to have both in order to breathe deeply. Make sure you're not stuck in the inhale or exhale of life. Keep breathing. Keep showing up for your work in this world. And keep showing up for your own flavor of fun in this world. If you want to learn more tools like this that increase productivity, bring balance to your life, and make necessary mind shifts towards work and life, consider enrolling in the monthly method. The link is provided in the show notes. It's the program I've created where I work with clients on getting measurable results in their life, not just work but in their full life, one month at a time. Have a great week, everyone. Please subscribe. Please subscribe if you want to have a freshly baked episode delivered to you next Monday. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to ask a question, leave a comment, or share something interesting, please use the link provided in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you and answering your questions in the upcoming episodes.